Okay, welcome back. I'm recalling an episode of the 80s reboot of The Twilight Zone called Need to Know, which was an episode where an investigator is sent to find out the source of a sudden outbreak of mass insanity in a small town. And when he gets to the root of it, he finds that someone has traveled to Asia, some mysterious part of Asia, and discovered the actual meaning of life. The problem with that is that the meaning of life, the literal meaning of life, is not something that human beings are supposed to be exposed to, and that that information will drive you insane to hear what it is. It's not something that the human psyche can contend with. It exists on another level of comprehension, perhaps another level of existence. And the idea that there is a type of horror where you are potentially given a peek behind the curtain, where you may be exposed to things that you just aren't supposed to be introduced to uh, through your five senses fascinates me. It just does. Um, I, I thought that that was a fantastic episode. I haven't seen it since the 80s, but it's 2021, and I still remembered it, I remember it, and I researched it a little bit uh, to introduce uh, this episode here. Last weekend, I was sitting on the couch last Sunday. It was Sunday afternoon, and I was looking for a Sunday afternoon movie to watch. And nothing I owned was jumping out at me. No series that I was currently in was jumping out at me. So I was looking for something new. And I discovered through HBO a movie called Underwater, which was directed by William Eubanks and stars of all people Kristen Stewart. And if you know me, you know I'm the last person on earth that would watch a Kristen Stewart movie. But there I was, and within five minutes, I was just completely uh, absorbed into what was going on. I, I kept hearing after Twilight that she was put, she's putting in solid work and that she has a thriller horror movie, I think, called Personal Shopper. I haven't seen it, but for some reason I decided to check this out and it blew me away. If you have HBO Max and you haven't seen Underwater, watch it. It also stars Vincent Cassell, which is who is someone I, I usually don't enjoy his performances. Really, really good stuff. Really, really good stuff. And the last 10 or 15 minutes are just epic. I wouldn't go so far as to quite call it biblical, but they're epic. Just an amazing finish to the movie. And so I, I won't get into spoilers. Maybe at some point I'll do an episode on Underwater um, because it's definitely worth covering. And I don't I, I, I only knew about it and I only watched it because someone the day before, and I can't find the tweet, had tweeted they were very disappointed that this movie uh, wasn't getting enough love. They, they were very, you know, put out by that. They couldn't understand why more people weren't loving this movie. And now I, I don't see it. I, I don't see how more people are watching this and saying it's just fantastic because it is. Maybe it's Kristen Stewart. I, I understand that aversion, but if you are averse to watching Kristen Stewart, get over it and watch this fucking movie. But again, there's 
a theme there as well, um, that there are things beneath the surface. I mean, it's underwater, so I mean, literally beneath the surface, but even figuratively beneath the surface that uh, humans are not prepared to see. Uh, maybe just that in your peripheral vision, you know, you, you get a glimpse of something and you're like, oh, OK, you know, I, I don't know that I want to, um, you know, get a good look at that. That's not, you know, that's well, I think there's a term for that and it's called uh, Lovecraftian, if I'm not mistaken. And so. Need to know from the Twilight Zone and underwater um, all within, um, you know, all with very recently. Uh, led me to pick up some Lovecraft. I have this really nice um, Library of America edition of Lovecraft Tales. And I started to read The Call of Cthulhu. Because if anything is, if anyone has mastered the art of writing horror about things that are not supposed to be perceived by man... It's H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, that is his bread and butter. He is the master of writing things like that. And they can be difficult things to make into films. They can be difficult to film. And I'll get into that into a little bit. So I'm going to cover for this episode H.P. Lovecraft's The Call of Cthulhu. And over the coming weeks, I'm go uh, next week I'm going to be getting back into film. But... I'm going to be moving through his uh, Cthulhu trilogy uh, in the coming weeks, the Dunwich Horror, and I, I really would like to do At the Mountains of Madness. So the only thing I'm going to read from Cthulhu is this introductory paragraph that supports what I'm saying. And Cthulhu is about a 30-page book. It, it's, it's a short story. It was published in 1926. Um, no, it was written in 26, published in 28. It's out of copy right now, so if you don't have a copy, you can find it on the internet without breaking any laws. If you want to find a PDF, I enjoy, you know, having that physical copy in my hand, being able to turn pages, being able to, you know, place a bookmark. You know, these are the things that I love, but if you haven't read Lovecraft, you should. Nobody writes like Lovecraft that I'm aware of. I, I haven't read any M.R. James. I think he primarily did ghost stories. But this is something that, to my knowledge, has been imitated, but as the saying goes, never duplicated. And so let me read this introductory paragraph. The most merciful thing in the world, I think, is the inability of the human mind to correlate all its contents. We live on a placid island of ignorance in the midst of black seas of, an, of infinity, and it was not meant that we should voyage far. The sciences, each straining in its own direction, have hitherto harmed us little, but some day the piecing together of disassociated knowledge will open up terrifying vistas of reality and of our frightful position therein, that we shall either go mad from the revelation or flee from the deadly light into the peace and safety of a new dark age. The idea that you could be you could be exposed to something that could truly show your own place and insignificance um, in the vast universe is a fascinating idea to me. And I'll tell you, 
about, true story, about 20 years ago, I had two dreams, um, both within about a year of each other, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, I don't remember my dreams as a, as a matter of record. Like I get up and I just, you know, I had this, and somebody will say, hey, I had this dream last night that, you know, you know, I, I almost never remember my dreams. And I, I, of late, I've made a habit of placing a notebook and a pencil next to my, um, you know, next to my all my nightstand so that, you know, if I have a dream that's particularly vivid, you know, I'll, um, I'll be able to jot it down real quick. And, you know, maybe I can make some use of that at a later time. But by and large, 99.9% of the time, I don't remember any dream that I've had. But I do remember these two dreams. And in them, on two separate occasions, in one, on one occasion, and I won't get into too many specifics, but on one occasion, I heard something um, that I, I, I clearly understood in the dream was something I was not supposed to be hearing. Um, and it was a horrible, horrible dream um, that you were just uh, completely overwhelmed. You, you had a sense um, of how small and vulnerable and insignificant, you know, we are as people um, compared to this this thing that was making this sound. I had another dream um, within a short period of time where I saw something um, that was much more, um, much more concrete, but still very vague, which gave you the impression that, you know, we are, you know, microscopic in our um, in the scale of things that, you know, it's just like micro, like microbes of a grain of sand, you know, each of us like that. Um, very overwhelming, very upsetting. Um, these weren't dreams that, you know, yeah, I could live without those. I, if I never have another dream like those two again, I, I would be fine. Um, but they, they've left the lasting impression, you know, 20, 20 some odd years later, more than tw almost 25 years later. So Lovecraft, I, I say all that to say this, Lovecraft really perfects that, um, that there's something behind the curtain. Um, you're not equipped to see or to deal with it. And if you do, it, it's, it's, it's going to be very bad for you. Um, you know, and that the worst, the, maybe the best thing that could happen for you in, in those instances is that you would die, you know, that, you know, there's something, there are things out there that are worse than death, um, which goes outside the standard canon of horror. I mean, you know, you die in the horror movie or you survive in the horror movie, but then there are other types of horror that, you know, you survive it, but, you know, maybe it's better that you had not. Um, the story essentially takes place in three chapters. It happens in three chapters. Uh, one is about um, a sculpture that a man creates from inspiration he had during some very upsetting dreams that have caused him to question his sanity. Um, I, and I'm not going to get into spoilers um, the third, the second chapter comes from a police officer who's looking to, and again, you know, you have this disassociated knowledge, these things and these people that are not connected. You have in the second chapter, this um, police officer who 
confiscated a very similar statue during a police raid in a swamp in Louisiana, takes it to an archaeological convention and is looking for information about this statue. And then there's the third, uh, where there's fur further investigation uh, that connects by ad, you know, there, there's more information that connects the dots and then the dates um, that these things have happened. Giving you a look at, finally, the, the monster uh, Cthulhu, who is only the priest of sorts for these other beings that are very vaguely described. There's no dialogue in, um, in the book. There's no dialogue in the short story. Uh, everything is very unreliably told. And yet somehow Lovecraft makes that a success because he's making more with less. Less is more here. You're, you're, you're not seeing everything. You're just getting a glimpse maybe of something, but it's so successfully implied that it's actually quite scary. I suppose a modern a modern equivalent would be, and there are tons of works of Stephen King. So if you want to sort of modernize this concept, because to each individual reader, I imagine you're crafting your own, um, you know, mental images of, of what's happening in this story. But something that may be relatable is maybe Stephen King's The Mist. I mean, and that's, you know, physically he's created a curtain with this fog that surrounded the store and, you know, these things that you're getting a partial glimpse of, you're certainly not getting an idea of the whole, but to just get even a small glimpse is so horrifying that you're like, holy shit, you know, what is this? That's, that's directly out of Lovecraft. Um, the difference is, and I read this somewhere, is that King sort of writes for screenplay narration with tons of dialogue and humor and short answers, you know, short answer responses and, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, Lovecraft doesn't write, he didn't write that way. So it's been very hard to make uh, cinematic uh, versions of his stories. Um, they're sort of these underground movies, and maybe that's something I'll have to branch off into. So you have The Mist. You also have, from what I understand, is the final version of Pennywise the Clown. Um, my understanding is that Lovecraft uh, historians uh, claim that King's final version of Pennywise is one of the ancient ones, one of the old ones uh, that he talks about so much in the Cthulhu mythos. Um, and then, of course, there's the Tommyknockers, which is a less... A less popular, not one of his more popular, you know, uh, books. I think it was made into a TV movie that wasn't, it was supposed to be okay, but it wasn't a huge uh, cinematic success like some of his other things. Um, and he certainly didn't, he it didn't get the big budget of an It 
or, um, you know, uh, Dr. Sleep or The Shining or something like that. But, you know, those three stories in a more modern sense convey uh, what Lovecraft was trying to do. So, you know, if you get a chance and you haven't read those, uh, check them out. Uh, they're definitely worthwhile. I I'm trying to think. Um, so... These are very apocalyptic tales. Um, by the time you get through the end of the book, you or this initial short story, this introduction to the Cthulhu um, storyline or mythos or trilogy or whatever you want, the, myth, the canon, you're under the impression that there may be some apocalypse that has begun. You're, even that um, is uncertain. But the reason it's uncertain is because of the way that Lovecraft writes, the narration is completely unreliable. If, if one of the characters does get a glimpse, they're so shaken by what they see that they can't then accurately portray, you know, in any detail. You don't get it as a reader. Which Lovecraft, he makes it work. Uh, the, like I said before, I think there's almost, there's almost no dialogue in Cthulhu. I don't think there is any dialogue. It's all internal monologue. Very heavy. Very dense. Um, it, it's easy to kind of get lost and to have to backtrack a couple paragraphs. But again, he makes it work. Um, Lovecraft apparently didn't believe that he had any ability to write action. Um, and so he didn't. He just kind of left it all there to be implied. But it works. It works. And if you have a chance to get your hands on the call of Cthulhu, check it out. I would love to see some visionary director. My understanding was that um, Guillermo del Toro was prepared to begin at the Mountains of Madness, which I think is the, the, the final book of the Cthulhu canon from Lovecraft. And... He was put off by the fact that Ridley Scott had made Prometheus and a lot of the uh, the set or the setting uh, that Del Toro had in mind was, well, Ridley Scott got to it first in the, in the setting for Prometheus on the planet. It, they were very similar and he didn't feel that, you know, fans would, it, it wasn't what he wanted to do. Fans would pick, hey, this looks just like Prometheus. And I don't think Del Toro is that kind of writer um, or that kind of director. So it's been put off. And hopefully at some point, someone will come along and do an accurate H.P. Lovecraft Cthulhu movie. That said, hint, 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 get yourself to see Underwater. Another apocalyptic, and this brings me, and I'm going to get to this eventually. I'm working on getting to John Carpenter's apocalypse series, The Thing, Prince of Darkness, which is a little more Lovecraftian. Uh, well, they both are. And then his final, which I think, I haven't seen it in a long time. I have a copy of it. I have to watch it in preparation for the episodes. Uh, in the Mouth of Madness, which I think may be the most like uh, a Lovecraft um, type of thing. 
But again, you know, I, I think that's another uh, homage. That, that Apocalypse series is an homage to Lovecraft. He's such an influence. Um, my understanding was that he was a terrible racist. I mean, you could read some of these stories. You know, he doesn't portray like any brown or dark-skinned people in a positive way. But, you know, it's a century ago, and I'm not going to get hung up on that kind of bullshit. Um, it's just, it's great writing. It's great writing. And one of the things I've discovered over the centuries is that fucked up people make the best art. They just do. I mean, other people, you know, they're great at coming home and paying the bills and, you know, going to work and, you know, playing with their kids and whatever. But fucked up people, they make great art. So, yeah, you know, you got to take the good with the bad. That's just the way life works out. And, yeah. Okay. So, I don't know if I've accurately given a review, but that's the review that I'm giving for this book. Um, less is more. Things are very heavily implied. It's scary. Um, there are some behind, you know, that you're, the, there's something moving behind the curtain and you really don't want to see it. He's the master of that. So if you get a chance, um, get a chance to see that uh, Twilight Zone uh, episode, uh, Need to Know. I, I don't know if you can pull it up on YouTube or whatever. Uh, get yourself to see uh, Underwater, uh, which is on HBO. Get yourself to see John Carpenter's Apocalypse series, his three movies. The Thing, Prince of, Prince of Darkness is my favorite John Carpenter movie. I, I could watch that right now. In fact, I may go out there and make some dinner and then watch Prince of Darkness. And then In the Mouth of Madness. Um, and then, of course, get yourself a copy of the works of Lovecraft, The Call of Cthulhu. Check it out. Fantastic stuff. Um, this, is, this is me signing off. I'll see you again next week. We'll be back to doing a couple of movie reviews coming up. We've got some good stuff coming up. I've got some really cool guests coming up. Uh, but until then, take care and uh, all the best. <laughs>